Oof. Ah. I welcome, welcome everyone to the 50th episode of the Linen Suits and Plastic Tie Podcast. This is the podcast where we want to unlock the amazing, the epic, the cool, the amazing again, the suspenders, this cunning, the epic again, power of storytelling in your everyday lives. I'm Gorf. And I'm Kevin. Welcome to episode 50. Well, today we are joined by two of our favorite people, our closest friends, our amazing people that mean a lot to us, people who have seen us grow over the last seven or so years. One of them you recognize. She's been on the show before. She's been on every season of this show. She has been listening to every single episode since the first one came out. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the very few people on earth who knew about the podcast besides Kevin and I before it launched, Sylvia Costas. Hey, everyone. Wait. Glad to be back, guys. You told her about the podcast before we you launched? Did. You did. Did I? Yes. We, Her and um, her fiancé were at at the apartment I was staying at and you told her yeah and I'm worried this is becoming a big part of it because my mom might listen to this and she might find out someone else knew before her and that's going to be a problem for me if you don't think that's going to be a problem for me you've never met my mother I don't know I feel like your mom likes me so maybe because it's me my mom loves you but she was annoyed that she didn't know before the first episode came out um, I didn't, well, cause we didn't tell anyone, but before we keep going, we have one more person to introduce. We talked about him before on the show. He is known as Captain America. Ladies and gentlemen, Benjamin Brandt. Say hi, Benji. Hey, howdy. Hey, I'm Benji. Uh, evidently I was smart or scarily stupid enough to live with these folks for four years. And I happened to run into Sophia, uh, more on more than one occasion. Uh, I'm just happy to be here. All right. Um, as is our usual segment to start off the show um, for Benji and Sophia. Let's start off by telling everyone a little bit about yourself. Uh, what is your story? And uh, when we get to Sophia, how has your story changed since you last uh, have been on the show? You know, it's really yeah. funny. <laughs> Because we were, we were like, before this, we were getting set, trying to start recording. I completely blanked out that we do this. <laughs> <laughs> We've done this 49 times. It's a core part of the show. I completely forgot we start out with what's your story. That is why. That is how nervous I am for this. So, Benji, we're starting with you. What's your story? Well, I guess the, uh, the best place to start is probably the beginning. So, I was born in Buffalo. Uh, that doesn't really carry over a whole lot into me in the present day, except I'm a big Buffalo Bills fan. Go Josh Allen, go Buffalo Bills, um, and all the misery before Josh Allen. <laughs> um, other than that, like, you know, I'm ma- mainly a California kid, spent most of my life in LA. I went to UCLA with you wonderful people uh, for college, and I studied computer science. Um, that kind of led me into software engineering as a career. So I do. Currently, I work at a startup uh, based out of New York called Madhive, and that's kind of doing anything and everything. Uh, depends on the day, what hat I'm wearing. Uh, before that, I was working in self-driving cars, kind of looking at how you do you simulate them, how do you test them, how do you make sure they're kind of doing the things they're supposed to be doing. Um, yeah, and so I've been able to, I think, already get a pretty wide gamut of uh, experiences, and I'm excited to see where it goes from here. 
I'm curious too if because we're kind of harping on you as this like prototypical new listener, right? Who's kind of just gone into the show a little bit, has listened to a few episodes a long time ago, but you've been bouncing around some of our core episodes. Did you feel the 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 quality change? Yes. Oh, yes. okay. Talk Absolutely. about that. Uh, well, I mean, it's it's from little things to big things, right? In the beginning, you guys are clearly kind of nervous. You know, you have lower quality microphones, but the content is still there. And then as it goes along, it's really just the microphones are getting better. Your comfortability with talking about whatever it happens to be for the week or talking with each other or bantering with a guest, it's all kind of settling in and settling out to where if you listen to, like I listened to a, an episode from December, 2020, and then I listened to an episode, whatever your most recent one was, um, you can really, really feel the difference. And it's all like very good. And it, it kind of reminds me of, uh, there was some YouTuber I was watching the other day who said something very similar where it's like, you go out and you throw out your first 10 or 50 or hundred, whatever episodes. Uh, and it's kind of as a learning experience and it's a way to where, you know, you hit some number and suddenly you look back and you're like, wow, this is as professional as I ever wanted it to be. You know, and I think a part of it for me comes from actually MKBHD. Um, yeah, Marquis Maloney. I remember there was this video he did where he, obviously he's one of the world's top YouTubers, very professional. Um, unlike us, this is his full-time career and he's very successful at it. Um, and something he said in one of his videos a while ago is like, he said, go back, go to my YouTube channel and go to my old, sort by oldest, newest and watch the first episode. If you're a fan of mine and you're watching my video and you're like, oh, I can't do that. I'm not professional. I don't have professional cameras. I don't have professional anything. Go back and listen, watch my first episode. Mm -hmm. You'll realize that you can do. You might be intimidated by my current episode of all the money and the followers and everything I have. But if you go back to my first episode, especially as tech has changed and everything's become more professional, that you can do. And that was a huge concept for the show was that looking back 50 episodes, we've grown so much, we've changed so much, we've become better storytellers, our tech's gotten better. But if you go back to our first episode, even though the guest was amazing, I don't want to discredit Dr. Taylor Prescott Johnson, who we loved, the audio quality was terrible. I think I was recording on a lavalier mic. Like we tried our best, but man, it's a change. But anyways, welcome back, Sophia. Why don't you reintroduce yourself since we had some technical difficulties and say, and what is your story? Well, hello everyone. Glad to be back. Since I've been on the show prior, I don't want to give the same story, I guess. And I also think the version of my story, if you will, that I gave prior really was driven by career. And I am currently not in the mood to focus there. Um, I do still work in the same field. It's user experience, design strategy, applied to analytics. I'm still in tech, different company, doing my thing. That's all fine, but I'm in a place where that's not my entire life. And I'm very glad that that's the case. So we're not gonna focus there. Um, instead, I guess we can focus on the other side. Um, my life otherwise, story-wise, I guess my story has evolved from personal relationships. I went from being in a very long-term committed relationship to that relationship becoming being engaged and currently planning weddings. That's a very exciting new stage of my life. Um, moving into a stage of life where we're looking at, you know, buying property and settling down into like single family homes, things like that. So it's more um, starting a, a, a new story as I guess from, from me, from a personal life standpoint, um, a story as a, an official family, if you will, forming a new family unit and what that looks like. So I would say that's, that's my updated story as opposed to talking about career stuff, because 
you know, wedding just seems more exciting and jazzy anyways, right? Yeah, well, congratulations uh, on getting engaged. Obviously, this is the first time we're hearing about it. But um, yeah. so, uh, we're really excited for Sophia getting engaged. And I think this is an interesting question. What is your story? And we've talked about it in brief in our past 49 episodes. But exactly what you were saying, Sophia, about how the last time you talked about more career space, because that's where your mind was at, or that was the place you were in your life. And now that you're, you've moved on to a more very adult, engaged in building a family, that has taken a more prominent place in your life. I think this is why we asked that question, what is your story? And we are able to mine so much information from about the person we're just meeting from that question, because the way they frame their life, the way they frame what's important, the way they frame the characters in their life, it allows us to kind of see what's important to them in that sense, and then ask questions based on it, right? And that's why we always, no matter how much research we do on the guests, um, we didn't do any research on either of you, I'm sorry. Uh, we've known you guys better part of a decade, so we didn't do any extra research. But no matter how much we've researched a guest, we find it very refreshing and important to let them frame their story and then go off that and then change our questions based on that. Because if we come in thinking we know them, it's just not going to work, right? It's just going to be very stilted and it's going to make them feel like they have to perform in that box. And while any type of recording, you're performing some sort of box, we prefer letting them frame their story. Yeah, I mean, we touched upon that over and over too. You are supposed to tell your own story and we give that um, agency and, and that power to everyone we bring onto our show because you know, uh, we're as much as we're interested in learning about their storytelling techniques and stuff, everyone has a unique and interesting story and we'd like to hear it their way, uh, the way they want to tell it. Speaking of which, I just thought of a question for Benji. Um, as we were setting up earlier, I, I think Gaurav asked this question. What was your first impression of him? So let, let's, bring that, let's bring that question onto record. <laughs> what was your first impression of him and to this bunch? Because that's how we started to know each other when we met each other in college. I think the real question is, is what, what was his first impression of the email that Gorov sent? <laughs> no, nope. I was going to say, I was going to say, I gotta that's not the email. That's not, that's not a part of it. We were talking about, no, 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 we got to set the stage here, the right? Email? So, well, we're talking about the email now. The email. So, so for context, I came to UCLA from Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is where I went to high school. And so I'm coming into this concept of like, I'm going to be a college student. I have to now get to know all these new people. This is frightening and exciting and all that fun stuff that comes with college. And we get our random roommate assignments because I got randomly assigned not only a community in UCLA to live in, but a, a random set of roommates as well. And it's like, okay, there's like five people. None of these names are really popping out to me. Uh, let's kind of see if anybody breaks the ice. And uh, wouldn't you know it, you get a little email in your inbox from Gorev, and he's talking about essentially himself. So uh, actually, let me let me see if I can pull up the email. I might oh, read. I might read it a little bit. Um, uh, oh, here we go. No, no. Okay, it's titled it's titled Hitch Roommates, and it says, "Hello. It appears we are all going to be roommates next year. I am really excited to meet you all. My name is Gorev. I'm a technologist, geek, and a business economics major from Toronto, Ontario, Canada! Exclamation point. My hobbies include TV, comic books, and programming. And my ultimate goal in life is to start my own technology-oriented company." 
I'm moving my stuff into Hitch on 15th. When are you? I do, however, have one living constraint, and he goes on to talk about his allergies. And then we have at the very end, he says, once again, I am so excited to meet you all, question mark. Thank you, Gorham. Okay, question mark was the question mark was a typo. I, I don't know if it was a typo. I think I think knowing you now, the question mark is definitely right up your alley. I think that fits your whole mode of like, I'm so excited, but like nervous at the same time, you know? But so the question stands, Benji. The question yeah. stands. What was your so, impression? So <laughs> from that, I was like, okay, this this is interesting. This guy's gonna be he's gonna be a character. And I remember I showed it to my older brother, Mark. And I was like, yeah, so what do you think about this? And he was like, that guy's going to have your back. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll stick with that. I'm going to take that going into it. And then I remember you show up the move-in day, the big nerves, and you know your parents are crying and you're crying. Um, and I walked into my room for the first time, and Gorov's like hunched over his suitcase with his dad, like fiddling around a little bit. And I remember they both kind of turned around, stood up, and walked over and like shook my hand. And we're like, you know, hi, I'm Ashok. Hi, I'm Gorov. And I remember being like, damn, Mark was right. Aww, very cute, very cute. Great email. I mean, it became such a running joke. Like, uh, Frat Boy One, who we've talked about before on the show, ended up posting on his Instagram when that was his graduation post. Yeah, I think no, his graduation. It was a photo of him, and then he just quote his the bio or the, like the the caption was the email. Um, and well, let's not forget you also sent a new iteration of that email every single year. So there was it became four a running joke because we did to give it for four years. So every year they got a new email. Every email regaled the past of the uh, the, the horrible roommates I had lived with the year before, which was also them. So <laughs> and I think every single one included the once again, I'm so excited to meet you all question mark. And the question mark got bigger and bigger every year, just like, eh, you don't know. What was um first impression of Kevin? Oh, I thought he was really cool. I remember uh, there was this common room called the Hitchin. Uh, and so there's a bunch of people coming in. We're trying to, you know, get get to meet people. And I remember Kevin just kind of came up to me and he's like tall and a little lanky and was just like, hey, I'm Kevin. Like, how are you? And I was like, oh, I'm Benji. Like, what are you into? And he started talking to me about basketball and just kind of generally, I think we, we somehow got on the topic of um, EA sports, like NBA games. I was just like, okay, Kevin's also up my alley. And like, that I think proceeded over the course of the year where like by the end of freshman year, even though Kevin wasn't actually our roommate, we were just like, Kevin's our roommate. Like he is the unofficial like seventh roommate. And by unofficial, I mean official because you might as well just move a bed in. Uh, and that's, then we made it official the next year when you actually moved in with us and we kept it this, the same group ever since then. You know, something you were talking about earlier, I do, I want to dig into you, you mentioned cool when describing Kevin. Yeah. I'm curious what you guys think of the moniker of cool. I think, and I think this is a lot to do with my own baggage and the stories I tell myself, but I've been thinking a lot about what does cool mean to me? The word cool, the story cool. And usually the answer I come up with is cool is everything I'm not, right? Obviously very toxic, obviously inherently untrue. But I think because I kind of didn't have a lot of friends in high school, I didn't date at all. I wasn't doing like the, the, the thing that in the high school movie is the cool kids, right? Or I didn't have like the nerd journey where I became cool at the end of the movie, right? I never felt cool. And as I've like, and I feel like right now, especially I'm working with some really cool people. I feel like everyone I work with around me is cool in my new job. I'm starting to evaluate what I think cool is. Because I think for a long time, I was just like, I'm not cool. I'm okay with that. That's cool. <laughs> I'm not cool. That's cool. I'm okay with that. But I'm starting to realize that actually can be very limiting, right? Where I feel like 
maybe I don't belong in certain rooms. Like I don't belong out partying every night or like doing this and stuff. And, or maybe these are stuff I don't actually want to do, but I feel like that's what the cool person would do. So I'm curious what you guys think of the word cool. And is it a label that you find empowering? Like you find yourself cool or is it kind of intimidating because you don't find yourself cool? I think the way that I think about cool is normally almost synonymous with envious. So if I'm saying like, oh, that's cool or they're cool, I'm envious of them. But I think it's slightly different than what you're saying because Gore, when you say say it's toxic, that almost implies to me that it's like a interpreted as like a self-loathing. And I don't, I don't, it doesn't mean that like there's nothing great about me or there's nothing cool about me if I think something else is cool because I don't have those qualities. I just don't have those qualities. I can still have cool qualities. I can still have things that I think other people might be envious of, right? Like I don't think it's um, binary or all or nothing. I, I think that for me, it just means envious of that particular quality. And that's why it's kind of ambiguous because it's not like cool is effortless or cool is whatever. It's just sort of like, in essence of being envious of a quality that somebody else has. Um, and that's why I think, you know, for one person, it could be going out and partying. Like for the folks on this call who know me, I will never be like, oh man, that's so cool. They go out partying every night because that's the counter opposite of who I am. And it's nothing that I like strive to be as a person. So that's nothing that's ever going to like spark my mind. But for Gorb, it does, because I think it's so driven by what you personally like have I don't know, just... Uh, it's what I have, what I'm anxious about. It's what the story I tell myself. It's like, I think for me, it's because I know we've all talked about this in various ways. I want to be everything always the max, right? Uh, I want to do everything always. Like, I want to be meditating, relaxing, taking care of my mental health. But I also want to be out every night and doing these cool things and feeling cool. And I think it does come a lot from that story that we have decades now of patterns right that we built in our head and neural networks like things that we built in our minds and i think for me this feeling of uncool and that that phrase cool has always felt like not me right so i don't see it as healthy as you do sophia where like you have aspects that you feel are cool i feel like it's just like this unattainable thing and it's a story i know it's not true and i know there's a lot of things but it's like it's that story of like cool is this unobtainable object so then i started associating okay what is cool and i started associating things like cool is what i see on instagram and so i'm not on instagram but um cool is what i see on instagram or what i hear or like what the guys in in high school were doing when i was at home studying or working or reading comic books right and i felt i spent so much time trying to be okay with not being cool i didn't really take the time to understand that story that was building in my head and so it became this like mythical thing that was kind of always unattainable it's interesting that you you also attribute uncool to things the only time i think i use it in that context is more as an idiom like that's not cool man and that to me just means like it's inappropriate i like completely forgot that that was even a legitimate word that you could look up in the dictionary and see a definition for because it seems so foreign to me to think of someone or something as uncool just in the sense that like they're dorky or they lack, I don't know, they don't have good style or whatever it is. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think that's not uncommon to have this narrative that, oh, they're the cool people. They go and they do the cool things and they're like this kind of thing you live up to or try to live up to. And if you're not, you're not cool, right? And I think it's interesting because I, I 
would at least perceive that in some of the media I was consuming. And to some extent, at some point, I don't know when, I kind of just said, nah, screw that. Like my kind of interpretation of cool, and especially when I said Kevin was cool, is kind of like, you have the understanding of who you are and what you like, and you're totally feeling free to be authentic about that. And you're also chill enough to say, hey, that person likes that thing. That's cool too, right? And that's kind of the way I interpret it is, is more of a, I'm confident in who I am and I like what I am. And also you like what you like. That's awesome too. Like there's no ideal, I guess, to strive for. There's just stuff that we like to do. Yeah. And I flip flop. I think when I'm not sleeping enough, drinking enough uh, water, if I'm not like, when I'm not feeling confident, I definitely go to the place like I'm not cool. And it's, as I am, I struggle with social comparison. Like I all, I have for a long time. I think this word cool. And I think I spent the first half of this year really focused on forgiving my past selves. I'm forgiving them for not taking more chances. I'm forgiving them for not doing the things that I see as cool, right? Or trying to make more friends or like going out and doing all these things. I'm forgiving them because I'm realizing that they, it's very particular. I'm talking about my past selves in the third person. They were just trying their best. They were just out there doing their best, you know? And I think it has so much to do with this concept of cool, where like in therapy, the reason this is coming up for me is because in therapy the other day, I was like talking about like, oh, I don't feel cool, like all this stuff about cool. And then my therapist asked me, is that what you think cool is, right? And it was really like, we didn't dive too deep in it, but it was really that moment like, oh, it's a story. I'm defining what I think cool is. It's a story that I am choosing. It's a story that I have built in my mind. And thus, like you were saying earlier, Sophia, it's a story I can change. There's also this aspect of expectation versus reality. I think we, we all, you know, before we got into college, uh, you, you see, you know, movies or TV shows that portray the college experience, right? That, that, that's quintessential. And the, the very fact that we keep emphasizing that college is not the best four years of your lives over and over also comes with like the premise that, you know, this is supposed to be an extremely fun time or it can very well be, but then, you know, we've all graduated and we've had very full, I think, uh, college experiences, um, all of us. And a lot of those days are, you know, playing or stressful or whatnot. But I think we can all look back at those days and reflect on it and, and say, we've had really fun times at, in college. Some of those experiences matched with what we imagined, uh, right? There's, there's a lot of very spontaneous, fun moments. Also, a lot of those days were not that you couldn't find anywhere on any shows or movies, but you know, we, we lit that. And I think there's this idea of what we see in media, right? And the stories we consume and how these stories tell us certain things. And when we watch a lot of them that have similar themes, like this is what life's supposed to be. And it's that word too of like supposed to be, right? Where we all believe there's a path we're supposed to be on. For me, it has much to do with my career. Like this is the path I'm supposed to be on. I'm terrified of like wasting time. Like I may have to always be moving, taking every opportunity. Because it's the story of like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I should be doing. And I think one of the stories that um, that I think is very prolific is the one in a million story that sometimes it can be, I find really, really tough 
to kind of deal with is this idea that we over-index on the one in a million story, right? This idea that this is the, if I go to this event, I might meet this person who's going to be my co-founder or be the love of my life because the mundane parts of life don't become movies, right? It's Mark Zuckerberg said this about the social network. The hours and hours of him sitting in front of a computer coding isn't entertaining for a movie, right? But the moment where he met Eduardo Savlin, that could be entertaining, right? So I think sometimes I get in my mind and sometimes I think as a society, we over-index on the one in a million story because we feel like, oh, we see all these movies. So if I don't go out to this or do this or attend this, even if it doesn't feel right, I might miss out on my one in a million moment. Yeah, I, I agree with that statement, but I also think it swings both ways in terms of like that pressure isn't always a negative thing, right? It's a negative thing when it gets to the point where you're like, oh my gosh, I have to spread myself so thin because otherwise I'm not living college to the fullest, right? When you're not sleeping, you're not eating, you're living off Soylent and you're instead just, you know, spending all your time going from, oh, there's sleeping this... and eating and I had other stuff. Yeah, gummy bears in Soylent. I was in college. Gummy bears, orange juice was the perfect pre-exam snack. I think, you know, like that's obviously a problem. But if you're on the other extreme too, then you don't get opportunities to meet people to hear other perspectives. Because if you're like, man, mm, there'll be another one. It doesn't matter. I don't need to go to anything, right? You don't grow. You don't meet people. You don't move. So like, it, it's sort of like being stressed, right? I think something Benji said earlier, we're like too much of anything is bad, but like, having it as a motivator where it's like, okay, well, maybe I should go because maybe I'll meet someone doesn't have to be the love of my life, but maybe I'll meet someone interesting. And that makes it, you know, worthwhile having those stories in your head that motivate you to try things. Yeah. You have the opportunity to be let down, but at least you like went coming from someone who often didn't go because Mm -hmm. a lot of those things for me, I already felt like were set in stone, right? I wasn't looking to find the love of my life because I already had. I wasn't trying to meet my business partner or my my venture capitalist funder because I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And so I was like, I'm just gonna study in my room. And that was fine. That was the goal. There was no like further picture. And so I didn't go and have as many, I think, of those sort of fun memories that maybe you would get out of college. And it's not something I regret. Like it is what it is. But I think I think there's a happy medium. So my point is like, I know, I, I know where you're coming from and I understand that for you in some ways it went to an extreme that you're not pleased with, but I think there are a lot of gems that came out of your four years that you wouldn't have had if you had been maybe as disciplined with yourself and been like, no, I'm going to go to bed at nine o'clock and eat real food and take care of all the things rather than having that fun night out, you know, in Westwood or whatever it was. Yeah, I was going to say something similar. I think you pushed us, I think, in some pursuit of cool, too, to go out and do some of these things that I look back on very fondly. I mean, you you like to say that we wouldn't have any pictures if it weren't for you, right? And that's very true. Um, And I think there's a lot of events that we went to. I'm thinking of the last time we went bar hopping before COVID, right, Uh, that you really instigated and pushed for. And so whether that came from perhaps a place where you can think back and be like, yeah, maybe I can take this a little less seriously. It also, I think, ultimately did lead to some positive results. And so it's kind of that give and take and too much of anything or too little of anything can be uh, problematic in some way. It's not even like I need to accomplish these goals, but I need to try. It's almost like it's not even like I need to have those one in a million moments. 
but I need to need to show up. And for me, effort in the sense of even like time committed to something is soothing. If I can tell myself I committed time to it, I went for an hour. Because um, I even found this way building events where I would go and I would talk to someone. I talked to three people. I'd go for an hour. I felt really fulfilled because I went for an hour. But then I started realizing, oh, I'm not really open or trying to make these deeper connections. I'm just trying to go for an hour, talk to three people and feel good about it. You know? So I think it's it's that contradiction where part of it is I want to do everything, see everything. Uh, I want to feel like I tried. I think I'm, I'm searching to feel like I tried and to be okay with it. Because if I don't try, then I'm really down myself. Why didn't I go? Why didn't I go? But even if I do try and like, I just have the check marks, I feel good. I have an analogy that's a real example, but it, it's much, it's much lighter. It's much sillier, but it reminds me of sort of a moral. I think you're overlooking at all of these. Um, so you all didn't know me my freshman year of college because I mean, you're older. You but existed before we met you. I know it's wild. I'm not just a secondary character in your life. Um, but I like that. when I, when I packed for freshman year, my wardrobe looked like I was going to rush a sorority. The viewers don't understand how absurd that is, but the people on this, this call do because I wore PJs all four years outside to class. Didn't matter. I did not wear real clothes. And I went to college as one of these people, sort of like what Kevin was talking about, of like, you have this imaginary idea of what college is. And I was like, I wasn't that person in high school either. I was just like, I'm starting over and I'm going to be cutesy and girly and care about this stuff and go be social. And I think it lasted a grand total of a week before it fell off. And I did have moments where I was like, I'm not being social enough. I'm not gonna make friends. I considered joining a, the community service frat on campus to meet people. And I did none of those things. Ultimately, I went back to no makeup, hair in a bun, glasses, pajamas everywhere. Um, and I worked through the moments of maybe not being super pleased that I didn't reinvent myself. I wasn't, you know, this cutesy girly, whatever, but more importantly, I think when, when I look back in retrospect, it, it's more, it taught me more about like who I am because it forced me to prioritize. Like, do I, as a person, is it more important to me? Does it bring me more joy? Does it make me feel more fulfilled to get up in the morning, look in the mirror and be like, I feel pretty. Or does it bring me more joy to spend that time talking to someone I love? Um, and maybe not getting dressed as early? Or does it bring me more joy to go for a run around campus, come back, quickly put my hair in a bun after showering and go to class, knowing that I don't look cute. I don't feel like I'm gonna grab anyone's attention. I'm like, am I okay with that? And in retrospect, I realized, yeah, I am. And so I think there's probably opportunities there for you to even think about like what it means on a higher level where you're implicitly making choices of like, I feel icky if I don't do this versus like, I didn't do that. And I'm kind of okay with it because it's like those situations force you to prioritize because you can't do everything. So what is most important to you? What do you value? And if it makes you feel icky, that might be a signal that what you are prioritizing isn't aligned with like your core. And then again, it's your story. So you can change it. Yeah. And I think that's one of the values of the show for me 
is that when you become hyper aware of stories, like we have through what we read, who we've talked to, our favorite people, Dr. Andrea Lalamendi, Dr. Cassie Holmes, like these amazing psychologists we've had on the show where we talk about storytelling and how storytelling relates to happiness and time and energy and how we perceive ourselves. And we learn how much of this is in our control. It's been amazing. I think that's been the biggest thing for me because, and we're talking about this and people are like, I think if you, I'm concerned people listen to the show, like say this is the first episode, they're like, oh, they're saying the word storytelling a lot or they're, they're forcing stories into this or they're like, is that a, what's a story, right? Um, I, I don't think we are. I think we've just become hyper aware of stories and that has helped us say, okay, we have control over this. This is just a story. There's no objective reality of cool. There's no objective reality of how you're supposed to do college. These are all individual stories we've learned from society, our parents, ourselves, our peers, the situations we were in. And that it allows me to be like, okay, I have control over that. And it's not like, I don't want to think it's a switch. I'm like, oh, now that we've had this conversation, I see cool as a story. Flip a switch. I'm fine. I'm never going to think about it again. That's not true. It's going to bother me tomorrow. It's going to bother me tonight. It's going to bother me next month. But being able to approach it a bit more objectively as an abstract story helps. It allows me to step and force myself to confront that. And over time, I can move on to my next anxiety. Right? <laughs> um. And I think that's one of my favorite parts of the show. Not just the psychologists we talk to or the comedians we talk to. Um, every single guest in some way has taught us about that. It taught us about objective reality of storytelling and how we have a lot of control over the, what we perceive and what we say than we thought. And, you know, one thing I'm curious about uh, having everyone here. Is this your first time on a podcast? I'm going assume yes. Yeah. How different does it feel? And this is more for you, you and self and then we can answer it after how different does it feel than just a normal conversation do you feel right now that you have to seem smarter that your sentences have to seem more coherent do you still feel like maybe you're trying to put on some sort of image right now i think there's definitely some aspect of performativeness anytime there is a camera involved i don't necessarily think that it's like a bad thing or or that you are not necessarily giving your authentic self but to some extent I know where the camera is and I know how it's looking at me. I know kind of how I sound on, on video or on, on audio, right? Um, and even to some extent, just in terms of not being able to get fully into a conversation because maybe you you hear feedback from a mic or you see yourself on a screen somewhere, right? Um, but I think for the most part, it still feels like a pretty normal conversation. Sophia? Um, I'm very introverted by nature. So it's definitely very different for me because when I know I'm going to be doing something where in this case, it's like, I have made a commitment to do this for a show. I want to put my best foot forward for you guys because you're my friends and I don't want to be, you know, the worst, mo most dull person ever on this show because I want you guys to succeed. I feel compelled to go, okay, go into charismatic mode try be a little bit more energetic so it's very tiring for me um i do it in real life too in certain conversations when i feel like oh i have to come off as more charming it's like turn it on and so it's not just something for this podcast but it's not my natural state so i think from that standpoint it definitely is different and a bit more tiring than i would say my my baseline of where maybe you know we're just having a weekly chat like i think this weekly chat 
Gorov was like, Sophia, say something. Like, don't just stare, say something, right? So it's, it's a different dynamic where I'm trying to at least be a little bit more energetic because of, you know, the nature of what we're doing. Yeah, it's interesting for sure. I think with a lot of guests in the early days, we were trying to sound really smart, right? We were, we were, and we've talked about this too, where this is one of the struggles we have with the personal episodes where we're really concerned. Like I, I, one of the things I value most is any listener giving us this time. It is such a gift for a listener to say, you know what? There's thousands of podcasts out there by amazing experts. Like I, lo I love podcasts. You all know this. I listen to podcasts constantly. So I know how many amazing podcasts there are with amazing people. So and the fact that anyone gives us a minute of their time, I value so much. So with these personal episodes that Kevin has kind of forced me to do, I am terrified of them because I'm like, how am I going to be energetic? How am I going to tie everything together? How am I going to get people to listen to this one and then keep listening to our show? Because I'm almost like, if you're listening to this, that's great, but definitely listen to one of the ones with the experts, right? Because those are the cool ones. Those are the people you need to hear. There was one episode we did where we recorded it. It was a personal episode. It was Kevin, me, when it was uploaded, I wrote the bio for it. And Kevin turns to me after I wrote the bio and says, you know, this, this sounds like you don't want anyone to listen to it, right? The way I wrote the bio was like, warning, different kind of episode, warning. Um, there's, there's, uh, this is not the main part of the show. This is weird. I almost wrote, you're not going to learn anything. And Kevin texted me after I wrote the bio for this episode. And he said, this sounds like you don't want a single person to listen to it. As I'm terrified, you know? Um, and I think over time, I think one thing that's really helps with the show before I let Kevin answer is that we approach this show as we are not expert storytellers, right? We have never come to the show as saying, hey, I'm here to teach, I, Gorev, I'm here to teach you something about storytelling. No. We came to the show in the beginning because the idea from it came from the fact that we were doing a lot of interviews and we felt like we sucked at storytelling. So we could approach this. We can approach every interview as like, we're like the audience. We're just the ones on the mic. We are here to ask the expert the questions. We're here to learn from you. And that's why every season, Kevin and I, are we expert storytellers? No, we're not. We're basically the audience and we're just asking questions for the audience. And that allows us to feel safer and puts more of the pressure on the expert to be the expert. So I find it hard to be like, why would anyone listen to this? But I understand the reason we have these type of things is one, so they get to know us better. And two, so we can start tying together and show some of the storytelling lessons we learned from the beginning and kind of like sell the show, like listen to the show because we've gotten better. We've gotten objectively better at storytelling and understanding stories and talking to ourselves, despite the virtue of doing this show. Um, and it's interesting you ask this question because, um, you know, I, I just, I just came back from a vacation with my parents and one day, you know, I was driving and my dad suddenly went, you know, you sound very different when you actually talk versus when you're on your podcast. Like when I hear you talk, when I hear you order food and stuff, you don't sound nervous at all. Your sentences flow very freely. You're not worried about anything. And yeah, I'm just like, yeah, you're right. Because when I'm talking, when I'm just talking, I'm not being recorded. I don't have to worry about how I sound. Um, how the conversation is going to go. Um, I, when I'm recording, I want myself to sound like I'm putting uh, meaningful stuff out there um, because, and, and I think 
we tested this out too, uh, just as we were starting off on, on the podcast. Recording should be different from actual chit chats because moments of silence or, or random talking in real life is not going to sound as good when someone else is listening. Like it should be more meaningful. And, and that's something I struggle with to the point where I do get physically stiff, I think, when I'm recording stuff. Well, if it makes you feel better, Kev, there was a point, and I understand it was around the time that you got a better mic, but that's not <laughs> what it is, where you can, I want to say it's season two, but I can't remember, but like, it's a very audible shift where it's like, you come into your own and you sound so much more confident, so much more professional. And it's just like, like I remember when I was listening to it, I was playing out loud. My fiance walked into the room and was like, is that Kevin? And I was like, yeah, he sounds really good, right? He sounds really legit. So you're doing pretty good on Better. that front, I would say. Like your, your voice sounds very robust. You sound very confident. You're very commanding. Like it comes across very well even though it might be a bit performative and you might still feel like you're faking it till you make it from the audience perspective. And with that, let's do suspenders. You have a suspender question? I don't, but I know you have the deck of cards somewhere in this apartment. Can you just... We haven't done those in so long. Yeah, I'd have to find the cards. <laughs> Give me 30 yeah, seconds. Yeah. So, yeah, I was going to look for it. And as he's doing that, uh, suspenders is a quick segment. What? Um, no, I think you, yeah, you made me lose on mic. <laughs> Whatever. I was going to say for any mic that can hear me while I go find this thing I wasn't prepped for, um, I'd love to hear from Benji and Sophia. We're all in the same room if that's unclear. It's Evan Sophia. I'd love to hear from Benji and Sophia. Uh, favorite moments from the stuff you've listened to, some of the key learnings you've used in your life, and kind of what about the Linen Suit and Plastic Tie podcast excites you? Um, I mean, I have a COG background, so I tend to gravitate more towards the episodes where it's it's sort of leaning towards how storytelling plays into like your motivations and how that impacts the way you view yourself, how you treat yourself. So I think there's a recent one. It might've been the most recent or maybe like two or three ago where there's a lot of conversation where Kevin sort of had an aha moment about like, yeah, I have days where like I literally do nothing. And that was hard for me at first because that felt wrong and having someone else validate how that's not actually necessarily wrong and like it's perfectly acceptable to have that even though it might not be the narrative that's driven forward in a society like what we have here in the states um so i think things like that i'm kind of drawn to uh i also end up being really drawn to sort of like the human interest side of things so sometimes it's not even like about the storytelling learning per se that you're trying to get across, but like the storytelling of the individual guests that you have that I find it compelling. Um, and that comes out sometimes through their, what's their story at the beginning or through the suspenders where just something odd comes up like recently chickens, or there's something about like the, 
the wine episode. I've been trying to figure out what it is, but I feel like that's the episode that I remember the best. And I still haven't sort of been able to work through why, but there's something about that episode that like, I remember it the most clearly. And it's not even necessarily like the learnings out of it, talking about like how to tell stories from a marketing standpoint and what that does for a product like wine. It's something about just like the guests themselves and the way they're able to convey the message, which is in itself a story. So it's the meta story, if you want to convict, like say it that way, that I find kind of compelling in a lot of the episodes. Suspenders, I think, has been my favorite part of every episode. It really does feel like we're talking about authenticity earlier and, and kind of performativeness and being on camera. Um, that's the point where you can kind of tell a little bit behind the mask of any given guest, even in just the way they choose to respond to it, right? There's some people who instantly know the answer to the question because they like, I've thought about something like this before, or it just engages them so much. And then there's other people who are like, oh, suspenders, that's interesting, right? And they kind of take a step back and you can see them or hear them processing it. Um, and I think for me, that gives you a nice little twist at the end where you go from, here's this person who's an expert in these and so, so and so ways, and here's all the things they talked about. And then here's like a little window into their humanity for just a moment. Um, and that makes me end up always looking forward to the suspenders part. Kevin says, it's time for suspenders. And I'm like, heck yeah, let's do this thing. I think what's really interesting though about what Benji's saying is that like, to me, what that plays into is like, I could have the best story, but if you can't connect to me as a person, it doesn't matter, right? So it's like almost like having that moment of being like, I'm going to go back to the chicken thing from like two episodes ago because it's just really in my head right now. But the guest on the show said, you know, they impulsively purchased a lot of chickens, live chickens, and then the chickens did not make it, and then they were going to purchase more chickens. Um, and that's something that really, you know, humanized this person, like, oh, it's quirky, it's silly, but, like, it's accurate, like, it's an accurate depiction of them. And it sort of, for from a cognitive standpoint, it's like, when you file this information in your brain, it gets filed now with, in my mind, chickens, but more importantly, you connect it to this person, so you're going to, it makes it more memorable, right? Because... Otherwise, it's just another story as opposed to connected to a person that has grounded and has some value. Exactly. I mean, Dr. Saha Yusuf, that's who talks about the chickens. And she's a cognitive neuroscientist, like one of the smartest people, one of our favorite people to talk to. And in this world where we get constantly bombarded with productivity porn or like these are the things you have to do. You have to wake up, do this, meditate, clean, yada, yada. Or like all these different clips from podcasts where it's like, this is the secrets, like this is life, like all these different ways to educate yourself, what makes it more memorable, what makes it more human is story time, right? That's the whole point. By adding that bit of story time to our questions, to our suspenders, you're remembering her lessons more because you're like, oh, she's the chicken lady, right? By adding that story time, by adding the linen and plastic to linen suit and plastic tie, you are elevating the lesson. You are connecting with it on a human level because that's what it is. That's what storytelling is. It's the oldest way we connect. It's the way movies and television shows become little pills of pleasure where you can experience something in a parasocial way, where you can feel joy, sadness, where you can connect to someone without actually having to go through it, right? Storytelling is this amazing skill that we use internally and externally that allows us to make these connections, to have important moments, to have these memorable things. And that's why we do this show. So Kevin's looking at me like time. And I, I uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask the suspender question. 
Um, so this is a random question, I swear. It's the first thing I found. What song do you want to be the first dance at your wedding? That's for Sophia. Uh, Benji, yours is going to be what song would make the best theme music for you? I think the question of what theme music uh, would go best with me is something I've thought about more than once. And I've settled on something that I really like just because it's kind of an upbeat sort of let's go take the seize the day kind of thing. It's Hold On, I'm Coming by Sam and Dave. Um, it's just very, very positive, kind of like, you know, if anything's ever wrong, don't worry, I'm coming, I'm coming to, to help you out there. And it's got like a nice kind of trumpet backing to it. It's just, it's just a fun piece of music. Okay, this one's not a hypothetical. Um, our first dance song is First Day of My Life by Bright Eyes. Um, that has been like our quote unquote sappy like song or like the anthem of our relationship we felt like mainly because of this one verse that's it, the song i'm not gonna sing on this podcast i'm not gonna do it but so the song goes like um uh shoot i have to sing it to think cocktail i don't want to sing on this podcast um it's like this is the first day of my life swear i was blind before i met you and then as the song goes on it talks about um remember the time i drove all night just to meet you in the morning. And for those of you that don't know, my fiance and I were long distance for a number of years, not very far, but in different cities enough where he would drive in the middle of the night to meet me in the morning on weekends so he could have the maximum amount of time with me before he had to drive back home. And there were times where it would be like, he drove in the middle of the night to be there for half a day and then would drive back home. So that it was that line where when we first heard the song, we were like, that's our relationship right there. And so that's going to be our first dance song. And it's a bit more upbeat than most like traditional slow dance songs, which I think also very much fits our untraditional personalities. So yeah, we've been, we've known that one for long before we got engaged. Like that, that was going to be that. our song. That's so cute. There's no such thing as a traditional personality, but um, <laughs> I love that. But there is such thing as a traditional wedding. I'm not going to turn your podcast into a wedding rant, though. So we'll talk about that oh, later. But no, I love that. That's so sweet. It's so cute. And I, I almost cried. I'm so excited for your wedding. Um, for songs, I think I work in entertainment now. And um, something I get asked a lot is, what's your favorite TV show? Right? Because I watch everything. I think that's an impossible fucking question. I hate that question. I can name you 10 of my favorite TV shows. I can name you my favorite TV show right now. Um, so I think this is a hard question. And that's why I asked it. So I'm going to tell you the song right now. Just in this moment, I'm thinking about who I'd be from the Shrek musical. Um, <laughs> no, it's a great song. I mean, I love musicals, but it's a great song. Uh, it's kind of like they asked Shrek who he'd be if he could be anything because he's an He's an ogre and he's been limited his whole life and he told one way. And it's like, it's, I guess I'm being a hero. Uh, like storm and iron clashing, looking semi dashing, something beneath my wind or something like that. Uh, it's like something is, goes in about how he'd be a hero. And then at the end of the movie, he becomes a hero, right? Without having to change who he is. And I fucking love that song. It's like who you'd be, right? And his ideas are you're here all on. And it's not the song I dance to for my wedding. Um, that would be a slow song, a slow version of 
And I think this is such a good idea. I'm not going to get to do it, but it'd be a slow version, acoustic version of Death of a Bachelor by Panic at the Disco. I think that would be an amazing <laughs> idea. Think about it. Death of a Bachelor, so song version for your first dance. Amazing idea. People are going to steal it from this podcast. I know it. But anyways. Yeah, I'm going to have to use this mic because um, it's flimsy cable and Grob took it off. So, <laughs> by accident. I'd have to restart my recording. Anyways, it was complicated. Anyways, um, song, my theme song, Englishman in New York by Sting. Uh, like, obviously, there's the be yourself no matter what they say, but I, it's too straightforward to my, for my taste. I just like how it starts off. It, it's a proud declaration of um, who you are, uh, even though you're on a foreign land. I'm an alien. I'm an legal alien. I'm an English man in New York. Uh, I'm a Chinese man in LA, but that song suits my sentiment very much. And um, Garth's screaming me to stall for more time. Um, I saw the thing in his fridge earlier. I did not realize that he got this. Do you have another camera? Oh, no. Should I sing? I, Did you get a cake that has 50 on it? Happy, at least never that. Happy birthday to you. It's not my anniversary though. Happy <laughs> birthday to you. Happy birthday to the linen suit and plastic tie. Happy birthday to you. Okay, so. No need to. Yeah, I'm gonna come sit in between you and Benji. Just place it, yeah. We'll send you photos of you. <laughs> okay, well, I got a cake to celebrate 50 episodes with Kevin and with all of you listeners. And, and I just want to take a moment to thank everyone who's listened to any of the episodes, shared any of this is muted, isn't it? <laughs> um, okay, sorry, my, my mic was muted. Um, so I got this cake to celebrate 50 episodes. Let's move on the canvas to us. Sorry. So I got this cake below to celebrate 50 episodes with Kevin and all of our listeners. We are so thankful for anyone who's listened to the show, anyone who's given us time, anyone who's decided, I'm going to try to be a better storyteller. And through, and of course, our amazing guests, our amazing expert storytellers. It means the world to us. We have learned so much about storytelling and... We hope you keep listening because there's many more episodes to come and we're so proud to hit 50. We're so proud to have made people better storytellers and we're so proud to keep learning about storytelling. So thank you. We love you all. We love our friends. We love our guests and congratulations, buddy. Congratulations, Rob. Let's blow this out. Let's make a wish. Eight, three, two. Do 50 more. Thank you, everyone. This has been the 50th episode of the Linen Suit and Plastic Tie Podcast. We had some false starts. We had some technical difficulties, but it wouldn't be the Linen Suit and Plastic Tie Podcast without them. We love you. See you for the next 50. You're doing amazing. Keep on being you.